and welcome to Melodies of Life. I'm your host, Ana Enka. Today's episode is about being a motherless child and grief. There is something about losing a mother that is permanent and inexpressible, a wound that never quite heal. No child is prepared for losing their mother. The pain of these losses will always be a part of the child. Growing up without the presence of a loving mother is devastating. Since the mother is the first basic caretaker, losing her in a physical or emotional way starts a nightmare of deprivation for a child. In a way, it never ends. Many negative conditions and feelings experienced later in life have their roots in this extreme traumatic experience. A mother's loss is a soul injury that children carry with them. Yet, with time, most children find a way forward and begin to experience happiness and meaning. They learn to live with the loss, making it a part of who they are. My own childhood trauma began the moment I was separated from my birth mother. She died from childbirth complication. It's very difficult, and I'm not going to go into that whole ordeal. But she was the one that I had been connected to and physically attached to for months, and now she was suddenly gone. That experience of abandonment and loss was imprinted so deeply into my unconscious mind, causing what I call my primal wound. Part of me had vanished to have, to love, and then part was the greatest sorrow of my heart. Because we're never ready to say goodbye. Regardless of age, we lose our mothers. As a motherless woman, we share characteristic we don't usually find in our female friends, sense of isolation, awareness of our morality, feelings of being stuck in our emotional development, as if never having matured beyond the age we were when we lost our mother. We have the tendency to look for nurturing in relationship with partners who can't possibly meet our needs. I'm a living proof of that. Over and over, I made a mistake. It's a tremendous desire to give our children the kind of mothering we lost or never had. We carry anxiety about losing loved ones, but we do have gratitude for the small moment in each day. We have such an awareness that our early loss shaped for us. It's toughened us so we can make changes and decisions we might not have otherwise made. I am a mother who knows the pain of an adult child estrangement caused by parental alienation when my children were very, very young. It's a horrible shock that triggers denial, blame, and shame. And the experience is so isolated, and there's very, very little help and support to get, unfortunately. The embarrassment keeps us silent, and it forces us to suffer alone. I know all these feelings and more, and there's millions and millions of parents that are suffering in silence. And because of the shame, nobody wants to talk about it. So not a lot of people understand how big of an issue this really is. Anyway, I managed to turn my life around and managed to beat my own pain. Today, I am living a full, loving, rewarding life. And I believe that with my help, you can do too. From our first breath 
we are supposed to enter and trust the cycles of life. Would you agree? As babies, we need our parents to tend to our needs. And as children, we trust the good in those around us. And we become adolescents, we are taught cause and effect. In adulthood, we trust that our children will outlive us, right? But then in a split second, our lives can change forever. Our world or predictable cycle ends with no time to prepare or to say goodbye. Losing someone we love creates a wound and we immediately change. Our structure has been disrupted and we find ourselves wandering through the broken pieces of yesterday's function. Grief brings the moment when you look in the mirror and you no longer realize or recognize the eyes staring back at you because everything looks different, actually a bit distorted. And grief casts far-reaching shadows all around us. And it doesn't make it easier when we live in a society that imposes time and limits and expectation for how long we suffer. Or shall I say, how we suffer. It's difficult to explain the tragic loss of a loved one. And uh, people don't understand that the daily challenges, it's impossible to explain the questioning why that keeps running around in the head. The disorientation the helplessness we face living without our loved ones. If you ask your friends if they would cope with losing a loved one, they would all say no. Most would say they would have gone crazy in the face of such tragedy. The majority would not be able to confront or work through the grief journey that is necessary. What is the most important lesson to learn is after losing someone, we love, we just must begin again by taking baby steps and how to trust again and to create a new life with honoring the past. It's not about forgetting about someone or what have happened, but to move on. Even though we are forever changed and now we see life differently, we understand the value of each minute and the importance of saying what needs to be said today. Today I want us to facilitate an exercise that is called, what was it like? And the goal is to gain insight into how the age of our mother's loss affect us as adults. It will show how we function as an adult and how our mother's loss influence who we are. And there are eight stages of psychological development from newborn to adulthood. At each stage, people face a conflict, what I say, between two opposing states that shape our personality. So let me explain. If we successfully res uh, resolve the conflict that they will lead, like hope, will, purpose, and integrity, failure leads to the outcome like mistrust, guilt, role confusion, and despair. So I'm going to use a few examples for those of you who experience uh, mother's loss from infancy to one years old. And this stage is called trust versus mistrust. It's when we assess and make sense of life. 
and meaning, giving us hope and optimism. The power of a being. It begins at birth and continues to 18 months of age. Very crucial time. The infant is uncertain about the world they live in and look around um, towards the primary caregiver for stability and care, right? Our different attachment styles are either secure, anxious, or avoidant. Success in this stage will lead to virtue of hope. By developing a sense of trust, as an adult, we can have hope that um, if a new crisis arises, there is a real possibility that other people will be there for us and give us a source of support. But failing the acquire the virtue of hope will lead to develop a fear and this adult will carry the basic sense of uh, mistrust with themselves or other relationships. And that often results in anxiety, heightened insecurities, and overfeeling mistrust in the world around them. It sets the stage for the perspective on the world as a place where their needs will not be met. Question we ask ourselves, how can I be secure? Right? And when we lose a mother in school age 7 to 11 years old, this is called industry versus inferiority. Here we develop learning, knowing, cooperating, and self-confidence in the abilities and competence from family, schools, and neighborhood. When children engage in social interaction with friends and academic activities at school, they begin to develop a sense of pride and accomplishment in their work and abilities. We have all seen when the little children bring the homework and they're so proud of what they have done, right? Uh, children who are praised and encouraged develop a sense of competency. With those who are discouraged are left with a sense of inability. Question we ask is then, how can I be good, right? A lot of children keep asking themselves, what can I do to be a good child to make my parents proud? A child who loses a mother during this stage often gets stuck and wonder, is this my fault? Because they don't have the psychological development or the emotional maturity or experience how to cope with a loss. A child in this age group has a basic cause and effect belief system. So that means if something happens, there is a cause for it. Uh, when it is the mother they lose, the cause and effect belief system tells them that they must have done something wrong because mothers don't leave their children. And this is called magical thinking. They truly believe they are cause of their mother's loss. And they think mothers leave children because they are bad. This belief is the root of a long life inferiority complex as they mature into adulthood. Here's an example. One of my clients shared with me that her mother died of cancer when she was seven years old. And she truly believed that she caused her mother's death. She remembers being in a very, very heated argument with her mother, and she was so angry, and she told her mom that she wanted her dead. As an adult, her rational side knows that she could not have caused her mother's cancer, but her internal seven-year-old believes it to today. 
She has been married three times and have been in and out of abusive relationships. And each time she experienced a loss, she believes it's always her fault. And she often begs for the relationship to continue, even though it was unhealthy. What compounds magical thinking is when these young children are not told the truth about a loss. Their feelings intensify is if they received false information. Many adults believe that they are protecting the child when they do not tell them what is happening in their world. However, the child is left to make up a story, and in their story, they are the one who caused the loss. Children are not adults and do not have the emotional reserve to manage that loss. As hard as it is, the child must know the truth about the loss. It is also critical that caretaker or whoever the support system is allow the children to grieve a loss. Sadly, most of the time, it does not happen. Women who have experienced mother's loss in this group are said to have the hardest time as adults. They take on the responsibility for the loss and they tell themselves, it is my fault. Some women will engage in a codependent behavior to keep relationships from ending. Most daughters don't want to talk about it. They stuff their feelings and refuse to talk about it. However, their feelings often comes out in their play. A psychological coping mechanism for these girls is called transference. A girl who experiences loss at this age may transfer her feelings of need and dependency onto the nearest available adult. This could be a father, older sibling, and teacher or neighbor. She uses this as a coping mechanism, and it also makes her vulnerable and easy target for a predator. Many women share that this was the time when they experienced some type of abuse from a neighbor or an adult that they thought was paying attention to their needs. As an adult, she will continue to search for people throughout her life to transfer her feelings of need. It's a terrible way of living. Adolescents, children 12 to 18 years old, this stage is called identity versus confusion. Because as we transition from childhood to adulthood, we may begin to feel confused or insecure about how to fit into the society. Would you agree? Because here we develop personal identity that involves beliefs, values, memories, fidelity, loyalty, and honoring commitments. We integrate image of oneself as a unique person, explore our independence, behaviors, activities, or experiment with trying different roles with family, friends, or groups. If we successfully complete this stage, we will have a strong self that will remain throughout our life. If not allowed to explore, we will be left with the role confusion where we are unsecure of who we are, drifting from one job or relationship to another. Difficulties with commitment, lack of confidence, feeling disappointed and confused about our place in life. I see it everywhere. It is so common. 
And we will not have a mental or healthy well-being, would you agree? And questions we ask ourselves are daily, how can I fit in in the adult world? Who am I? How many people have you met in your life? If you ask them, who are they? They cannot answer you. They don't know. So no matter where you are in your life, here are a few things that you can do to help build a stronger self of identity. By thinking about what your values are, and I know that's a difficult thing to understand, so I will talk about that in a different episode that will be coming up. Uh, your core values are those things that are you know, important and meaningful to you. And that motivates you and guides your decision every day. Be- and it's important to spend time alone to get to know yourself. The quiet moments can help you focus on your priorities, uh, learn and practice self-compassion, and can help you better understand and accept your flaws and limitation. And, you know, I always encourage people or to try new things like interest and, and think about or do things that excite you. And make commitments and set goals like health, career, finances, and education. And for all of you that don't relate to the ages and the stages above or have questions about your specific event, please send me a direct message for clarity in your life. There's also other stages uh, that are early childhood from 19 to 29 years old where we establish love, intimacy, and our relationship with others. It's called intimacy versus isolation. Here we ask ourselves, how can I love or be loved? And middle ages, 30 to 64 years old, is where we care and we contribute to society and we are a part of a family. It's called gen- generative versus stagnation. Here we ask ourselves, how can I fashion a gift? What I mean by that is, you know, we think about how we can do, uh, do donations or care for others. The old age, 65 and onward, is where we have v- uh, wisdom. Would you all agree? And we have make sense of life and its meaning. Most people have at least. It's called integrity versus despair. Here we ask ourselves, how can I receive a gift? And what I mean by that is not that I'm going to knock on your door and give you a gift from a grocery store or some clothes or whatever. No, it's the gift, the fulfillment of life. It's two completely different things. For all the motherless people, uh, wherever you do or are, remember, you are never really abandoned, lost, or unloved. You have always been loved and appreciated no matter what. And now some people will wonder, is it worse being fatherless than motherless? And I always say it's Im- impossible to make a generalization whether one is worse than the other. Losing a parent varies greatly from a person to a person, and losing a mother or a father has significant impact on one person's life. Fatherless children have you know, emotional problems like such anxiety, depression, and think they are 
worth less than other children who had fathers and may at times wonder why their father abandoned them. And motherless children may have been able to exist in a society and uh, fulfill their role as a member, but they tend to have immense difficulties in forming close interpersonal relationships and suffer from emotional pain from isolation. And um, I want you to understand there is no need to suffer from prolonged loss or grief ever again. I witness weekly people overcoming the immense grief they are feeling after losing a loved one, a child to death, or parental alienation, no matter what that is. And you have to understand that death is transformation, and it's a natural and necessary part of life. None of us get away from it. Relationships are our greatest teachers, and separations are learning and growing opportunities, even though we don't see it in the moment. And the sad part is most people stressfully live in the illusion of gain and loss. Don't be one of those. Because we can all wallow in our loved one's departure from our life, or we can honor their presence and feel gratitude for the time we shared with them. That is up to us because pain is not necessary to remember someone. And working with me, I use a grief technique that makes people overcome these feelings. After just working a few hours with me, the emotions are neutralized. It's a process you can't comprehend or even get your head around until you experience it. Understanding that grief is a um, multifaceted response to loss, particularly to, do, uh, to the loss of someone or something to which a bond was formed. We all have the feeling of loss and grief can uh, be the most painful experience in our lifetime. And for some people, it goes on for years and years or they never get over it. It takes over their lives. Uh, it can only include, or like some people only have like withdrawals from family, friends, or work, and the things they used to love to do in their life, they just stop completely. And, you know, and they just give up on life totally. And we can also experience the feelings, um, the same feelings after. You know, if we get a divorce or we separate from somebody that we have been deeply involved with or bankruptcy, illness, or when we lose a job or anything else that we get attached to or form a bond with. And if I tell you that there is a way that you could overcome these feelings within 30 minutes to two hours, would you do it? My answer is certainly yes. Why wouldn't you? Unless you are so addicted to pain and suffering and perceive you gain more benefits from this. And I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to gain relief. No prolonged suffering. It's not a 10-step program. And no withdrawal from your own life. In the instance of losing a loved one, you can ask yourself this. Would the person that passed or that you have lost want to see you suffering and be in pain over them? No. 
If you put your life on hold or even withdraw from the things that you love to do in your life because of them, no, would they instead tell you to honor their life? Yes. Love them for what was and the time you got together? Yes. And see you moving forward, enjoying the moments you have left on this precious earth. You see, these feelings are low-minded, like I said, and I refer them to as animalistic mind uh, because it's a reaction to the removal of something we are attached to. So think about it. When someone passes or you lose them, I know this is going to sound funny, but do you miss their skid marks in the toilet? No. Or if they are putting you down or ordering you around, no. Or things you dislike or despise about them, no. Of course not. You don't miss everything about them. You only miss, grieve the loss of, the things that you see are supporting your values or good, nice loving things about them. That's what you miss. Not the other side of them that they do also have that, but we forget in those moments. This said, eliminating these, uh, the feelings of loss and grief is actually just a matter of balancing your perceptions to the attachment or infatuations you have towards these things. Now you ask me, how do I do this? The answer is simple. You work with me and use my grief technique. The process is very simple and 100% effective. I will allow you to feel free from the burden of any type of loss or grief. It will take us only a few hours, sometimes less, to complete. It would allow you to truly honor and love the person who you have lost or that have passed away, allowing you to experience relief and the freedom to move on with doing what is most meaningful in your life. And now you're going to ask yourself, how do I know this works, right? And um, I use this method on myself many years ago to eliminate feelings of grief over the loss of my children. Uh, and you can hear my experience in episode two called Healing Emotional Pain, where I describe my grief process. Um, people are so relieved and grateful and thankful when the burden of these feelings have been lifted. And that's how I also felt. The power of nature of this work is part of the reason why I became a human behavior specialist, to share this work with others, because I don't want people to live in suffering. And it moves me to tears every time I witness or I assist people in being able to move on with their lives, because prolonged suffering is not living an inspired life, so if you yourself or if you know anyone suffering the effects of a withdrawal symptoms that which are attached to a loss of grief, then my process can help you clear this up. 
My intention with this podcast is to give an offering of hope, a light in what can seem like darkness for many. For people who feel they would like to try and piece things together after experiencing loss and, or other difficulties in life. I am simply offering an awareness that can aid in your recovery and that you can allow even just one person to take the first step into gaining relief. You only have one life and I always say, please live your life to the fullest. Don't waste your time. Don't think about, oh, I will do it later. Oh, maybe in 10 years, maybe in two years. I don't have the money right now, blah, blah, blah. And all the excuses that you set yourself up, it only going to make you more and more miserable. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to contact me or visit my website, Anaenka Wellness. Use my code podcast88 and you will get your first session for $100. If you have any questions while listening, please subscribe and leave your comments and you will receive answers to your specific questions. Please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you love it, please give me a review and share it. That will allow me to impact people worldwide. Thank you for listening. Love always, Anna.